Cool. So Juicy Ninja, Chuck and C, episode seven. We have Stephen Fawcett on. How's it going, man? How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for the time. Um, so we'll just dive straight in like we like we always do. Um, what got you into coaching, the coaching side of the side of CrossFit? Um, yeah, so I mean, from when I started CrossFit, because obviously it was 2010 to 11, um, quite a lot of my friends then started because I would tell them what I was doing. So then I would end up coaching them. There's a lad that you know still competes now, Sean Hardwick, who's been in, a, in our teams over the years at regionals and strength and depth. He was like my main first training partner, but I was always telling him kind of what to do. So that was my first kind of insight to coaching. And then, um, yeah, just as CrossFit grew, um, I became the person. And when people, you know, around my area where I grew up, where there wasn't a CrossFit gym, people were getting into CrossFit and they were at the gym that I was at. It was, it was always me kind of telling them what to do, even though I wasn't the instructor there or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it just led. I was into. I was a personal trainer back 2011 and 12 then as well, and it just kind of like led one thing to another. Got a job in a, in a gym, personal training, put a little bit of a CrossFit twist on everything that I was doing, and then um, yeah, just led into opening CrossFit JST in cool. 2013. Um, yeah, and things have just spiraled on from there, really. Yeah, sweet. Um, I've always wondered what does JST stand for. Is there a? <laughs> what do you, uh, I always say this. What do you think it stands for? So I've come up with all these theories in my head. The biggest I always get like so. There's Jack. There's yourself, and then I'm like, there's no T that I know of. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know if it's initials. <laughs> there's, there's a, do, you know, do you know who Tino is? You know, no. know who Tino is Santino Marini. Oh, okay. Scottish legend. <laughs> OG. No, it's not. It's not. The T doesn't stand for him either. But he was. A lot of people thought it was um, the J. So the J stands for Jonathan. Jonathan Buller. Yep. Um, S is me, Stephen. Mm-hmm. T just stands for training. So it's just John C training. Oh, so it's dead boring. Good. Um, it just had a bit of an easier, easy ring to it. JST. Yeah. Um, you know, back in back in the early days, we started an online blog. This was before we opened up the gym, and. Um, there was me and John, we'd qualified for regionals in 2012. So we were getting a bit of interest in like what we were doing because we'd improved yep. quite a lot. And um, he just put an online blog, we just called it JST Training, uh, JS Training. So it was like, yeah, JST Training. Ooh. And um, yeah, just stuck with us then. And we, we just decided to affiliate and then uh, it was quite catchy, I think. Just, yeah, just simple. Yeah, it's good. Recognised easy. So um, yeah, we, we, did a, we did a little bit of a... Um, a challenge in the gym members once if they could come up with a better thing that it stands for <laughs> you know those you know juicy sweaty titties and those different little rude ones but um join survive thrive was a good one. Oh, cool yeah but yeah it, just, it doesn't mean anything other than no, it just, just, yeah. cool when did uh when did jack uh get on board with so, yeah jack, jack was um jack was a member of our gym and he, he actually represented us in regionals in 2014 Oh, I think cool. that was his first time. Then he did a team in 2015 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he then moved to become a coach at the gym in 2000. At the end of 2015, he, he had a job as a uh, marine geophysicist, believe oh. it or not. <laughs> is, uh, yeah, it's like studying rock seabeds, uh, seabeds and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah, something super geeky. Um, and he he had a decent secure job and he but he didn't enjoy it he he loved training trained all his life through union you know he'd he'd, he'd competed in sailing at high level 
and um, you know, we we had we had hours and availability for a PT at the gym, and he just jumped ship then. So um, yeah, it's it's so. Well, I'll fast forward until just this last six months. Actually, I've um, I've left left CrossFit JST the affiliate. Okay. Um, I've separated and just now focusing on JST compete with mm-hmm. Jack. So the affiliate and the online programming is is run as two separate things. Obviously, it's JST on both names, but um, and you know the split was amicable. It was just, yeah. uh, you know, my stuff's online on this computer here, and um, we can do it wherever. And it kind of suits with our lifestyle of training and competing and mm-hmm. uh, coaching. Um, owning a box these days is not just something that you can do on the side of other things like you used to, you know, five or six, seven years ago. Uh, it's a full, you know, if you own a box now, it's the full works. So uh, just decided it was easiest to, to split. So now, yeah, I mean, you could say that JST compete is Jack D. And yeah, um, exactly, yeah, cool. you can think of someone else who's yeah. called D if you want. But yeah, it's just <laughs> JST. Yeah. Cool. Um, <clears throat> when, did, uh, when did you realise that, you were you were quite good at the training side of things, and then what made you push towards competing? It was, it was honestly, it was it was quite early on, to be honest. Like mm. I said before, when I started CrossFit in 2011 or so, there wasn't that many people doing it, so the standard of obs- was obviously lower. Mm. Um, and back then, you know, most people just followed CrossFit.com, and you you recorded your results on the comment section on the website. Mm. Um, so that's how you'd compare. You'd see how you'd see how good you were just from that, and you'd see yeah. names. Chris Beeler's name would pop up. Yeah. Pat Sherwood's name, and uh, what's his name? Pat Barber, Jason yeah. Kleber's name. They'd all pop up, and these are people that we were seeing on, um, you know, any of the games coverage or any of the, the mm. few videos that were out there. So you could get a direct comparison then to how good you were. And you no, know, Scott, I wasn't, you know, beating them, but I wasn't a million miles off. Yeah. Um, my first competition was in 2011, uh, and I finished fourth. And Santino Marini, who's a good friend of mine now, actually came third. He was the uh, he's the main mom in Scotland for a long time. Um, <laughs> and it was that point. It's like that's when I stopped playing football. Uh, decided to, to you know, I was I was playing at a decent level of football. Just decided to stop that there. There's a sport here, or there's a you know there's a a thing, I don't think it's called a sport, there's a thing here that's um, <laughs> competing and uh, I think I can do quite well in it. Um, so yeah, just pursued it um, and just as the competitions came around and um, just, yeah, just year on year, just had to try and just work my way up, yeah. work my way up the, the rankings and work my way up the ladder. Mm. Um, yeah, until finally, like I never, had, I never really had... In the beginning, anyway, I never really thought that I'm going to get to the games. Um, the games was it was a big thing, but it wasn't like a huge thing. It happened, um, but it, there wasn't anywhere near as much media out there or you know advertisement as to like to to build it up. That only really came around, I think, 2012, 13, and onwards. Mm. Like earlier than that, there wasn't a great deal of footage out there. Um, I'd say I knew I could. I was good enough to get to the games. Probably it was early on in 2014. Mm-hmm. There was a competition called Battle of London. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember it. It was when we ruined the floor. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I took quite a lot of blame for that one. Oh no. Um, <laughs> there was a uh, 
there was a there was a barbell complex of clean, hand clean, front squat jerk. And they said after the complex, you had to lower this bar down under full control. And if you didn't, you'd get no rep. And and I got 135, which was it was still pretty big now. It was big yeah. back then. And yeah, I just yeah. slammed it into the floor as hard as you can. <laughs> and I didn't get no rep. Class. And uh, yeah, and I had that lame the next event, and there was just this big hole in the. Uh, <laughs> Did it bounce or did it just like stop? <laughs> uh, I just to be honest, I, I can't remember. I would have thought it would have bounced probably up near as, as high as my shoulders. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the competition. So I came second at that competition. Lacey Kovacs came first. He was a yeah, yeah. games athlete by then. And Bjorgvin was third. Oh, cool. Um, so I knew then that was in the mix uh, with the top athletes. And I just had to, you know, fine-tune things, mm-hmm. fine-tune things to... Uh, Take it to that next, that next step. Yeah. So I think James, you got a question on this. Yeah, yeah. Like I was waiting. Wait, actually, just fire that in there. Hopefully, I don't disconnect while I'm, while yeah. I'm speaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously, you've you played a bit of sport. You played football. Um, yeah. You've come out of CrossFit, so you kind of have that idea of what it takes to be competitive. Yeah. Um, in your sports, I was just like. I think a lot of people, I don't know maybe so much nowadays, but I know when we started CrossFit, everyone thinks you can just jump in. It's like, oh yeah, I fucking train twice a day, I'm going to go to the games. But it's maybe like, when I touch on like what you've actually had to sacrifice to get to the level that you got to. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think, I think first of all, like before even like I started CrossFit, there's a, yeah. there's a lot of, I'd put a lot of my time and effort into just being... You know, I played football, but I played nearly every sport on the yeah. sun. I did swimming, running, rugby, cricket, table tennis to a decent level. You know, name the sport. Yeah. I played it at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I would find an after-school club and I would do that as well. So a lot of, if you clock up the amount of hours that I played sport before I was 21, mm. you know, there's, yeah, I can't tell you how many there is. Yeah. But there's, there's a lot, you know, from the age of five all the way up until 21 before I started CrossFit. Um so I think, and when I joined, when I started CrossFit, I I just had that much bigger base to go from, and I'd, obviously a lot of my life was just dedicated to sport before then. So yeah. just my mind frame and mindset was to be competitive, mm. um, and like when you say like what did you sacrifice before then, it was like sacrificing four hours after a school, a full day at school to go and yeah. play a lot like there sacrifice because a lot of your mates are going out and you know out, yeah, playing yeah. around playing football in the park but I'm going to football training and then off yeah, to table tennis yeah, yeah. And, and I remember playing you know table tennis isn't the isn't the coolest of sport <laughs> um <laughs> especially for you know a 15 yeah. year old lad um so but that was on every, that was every Friday night at 8 mm. 8 p.m I used to play matches and you know a lot of my mates would be you know, just you know, kicking around and, and yeah. getting pissed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. Uh, playing table tennis in my shorts and eager um, <laughs> outfit. Um, so it's just it goes back as far as that, really. That the second yeah. class. Um, so, but then kind of progressing and get, getting into CrossFit, it was easier for me then to carry on making those sacrifices because it wasn't anything I was. It wasn't anything that was new to me, like sport and and training to compete, yeah, yeah. whether it was football or anything else. wasn't anything that was new, so I think I made that transition quite well. Um, and I would probably say then, you know, at first it was like unheard of to do more than one session a day. You do one workout, 
from CrossFit.com. If you did anything after that, you were some fucking lunatic. Yeah. Um, and that was that was early on, and and it just progressed then, and I, and it, it was probably good for me that that was the kind of perception because, you know, it, if the perception was that you could do three or four sessions a day, which you kind of, you know, you, you can, but yeah, it's yeah. more known of now, then you know, I'd probably have not reached the level that uh, I got to. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the change probably came when I started owning the gym in 2013. Um, and then like a year and a half later was the point where I decided that I, I can't not own the gym. I'm going to keep owning the gym, keep coach, coaching the classes, but I dropped any of my PT clients mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and just kind of dropped any other, anything else that was like tying me into being here, there or anywhere. And I could just focus on training and recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it got to the point in 2014 where it, you know, I was waking up every day and it was just like, what's, what am I doing for training today? Like I would have bits of work here and there around, but I would, it would always be work that was quite flexible and I could do mm. at a certain time so that training could take yeah, first. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, I met my wife my wife now uh, in 2012 and she was, she competed as well. She was in our regionals team twice. She, she got uh, 2015, she was like 43rd in Europe in the women's region, which was, you know, it's a stacked yeah. region back then. So, and she, you know, she'd been in multiple of our strength and depth teams. So she fully understood kind of what it take, what it took for an athlete to get to that level. She'd, she'd kind of had that insight herself. Yeah. Um, so it was, that was handy in a way because she knew what I had to do for training. She knew when I could and couldn't go out for, um, you know, meals out. Or, yeah. you know, we don't drink, but if we just go out to have any drinks or, she doesn't drink. Um, <laughs> I can drink. Okay. <laughs> yeah. decide, okay. decide for it to be a rare occurrence. Um, <laughs> but when it does happen, it's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that kind of really helps. And you know, it's it's hard to sum up the real sacrifice, but I'd say it does. It it is kind of it's a lot lonelier, lonelier of a thing than people see like when they look at these, oh, these athletes they're at the games like they must yeah. be sober to live their life mm-hmm. like don't get wrong being at the games and competing there and being at regionals and, and winning and qualifying is like an amazing feeling um but you know the stuff that you have to do to get there um it's not it's not glamorous mm-hmm. um, yeah. and this is why people always say well, you have to have fun in training if you're going to keep doing it as it just depends on what's people's definition of fun. Fun, yeah. Um, like we have, a, I've always had a laugh and had a bit of banter in training sessions. Yeah. But like, you know, fun isn't four or five hours a day, a day of training. training fun yeah. to me is going out with your mates, you know, have a few drinks, have a bit of banter, and mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, just having a good time. Yeah. It's not slogging yourself to the to the point of near like. <laughs> exhaustion <laughs> every day yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you... oh sorry only go no so it's, it's i mean it wasn't it's not every single day it was slog yourself but it's like you get up that's hard work you're back to going again yeah, yeah. It's like you've got to sacrifice the food and the, the fizzy drinks or, or you know just the little bits and bobs that um <laughs> We we said the inches, the little the little things that add up that you might not 
you might not eat or you might have to eat like you might have to eat that extra bit of friggin spinach that tastes like crap or you know you're not allowed to eat you know you are allowed to eat but you'd be better if you didn't eat that yeah bag of crisps or you know yeah yeah um it's those things that are just there's a lot of them there's a lot of those little things that add up um i still think there's a lot of athletes that don't kind of have that approach where they're just kind of in control of absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. I feel like that I needed to have that approach because um, I'll say that, you know, I did have, do have talent, but for me to maximise that to its fullest potential, and, and I think that would have been, you know, I think the tops I could probably have got to like 10th to 15th individual at the games if I was, you know, mm-hmm. get another shot. Yeah. If I didn't make some errors in 2015, it would have been top 15. Uh, but everyone makes errors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, in my head, like that's where I feel I could maximum get to. Like that top ten mm-hmm. was just kind of that little bit beyond me, and I would have probably had to have started doing CrossFit kind of a bit earlier. Yeah. Uh, it was twenty-seven by the time I got to the game. So you know, if I was at that point at twenty-four, then it was different. But that, that's why I, mean. I had to maximise everything I could out of my own ability um, to get to where I did, and if that meant you know, that meant sacrificing stuff. this, yeah. that and the other and, and everything, then then I would do it. Yeah. It's just what yeah. it took for me to... Just what yeah, no, that's that cool. Part. Do you do you feel that maybe was easier? Like, so we hear a lot of, like, the really good CrossFit athletes have a have a sporting background. You've just said that you've played yeah. all, the, all the sports under the sun. Um, so, like, do you think... Do you think maybe it was a little bit easier because of the sporting background? So you've got that discipline, you've got that kind of that maybe that work ethic almost. Um, do you think that's important for someone coming up into the into CrossFit? So I think I've read or listened to Rich Froman say something that he hates kids that just do CrossFit as their sport, as opposed to going out and playing in a team or whatever it is. Yeah. Do you think that's a, an important side of it? Yeah, and it ties into because because cross crossfit is it's what it is where you know we could do anything they'll get tested in anything yeah um, and they'll bring up a new bunch of exercises every every year and it's like who adapts to that you can only adapt to that if you have this super wide base of foundational skills of you know throwing and catching if you're in a yeah. team team sports you know teamwork understanding what it's what it takes to be in a team yeah um and you know the, the change of directions and you know name there's, there's a there's a certain set of skills that's fairly specific to most different sports but a crossfit we'll get we could get tested in any one of those skills yeah. so um you know with um with a uh, i can't remember what i was going to say then the yeah, with with CrossFit being able to you know test throwing, um, I've never had to throw in a competition, but I throw a football thousands and thousands yeah. of times. The amount of times I've gone into an event, and whilst I've been doing it, I've remembered being a little kid. Um, like one of them was swimming, for example, in 2015 games, swimming in the ocean. And I just remember the countless hours swimming lessons they had when I was seven or eight years old. And then yeah, suddenly yeah. remembering um, coaching cues that me oh, yeah. had like 25 or 20 odd years ago or something. Um, <laughs> cool. You know, it's strange that it comes yeah. at that point, but it's just like, 
there's been so many things where I've had to learn something new and it's just like in my head I go oh that's just like oh, that's just like doing this that I used to do yeah like, yeah um yeah there's so many times and and when you look at the top athletes, like, like Fronin played every yeah. sport as well. Um, yeah. Fraser had quite a high athletic background. He didn't just do weightlifting. Yeah. Time, but he had a lot of other sports going on. Mm. you the same. Um, and, and I've said it a few times, and I, and I don't mean any offence to the girl, but Sarah has never had an um, athletic background yeah. before she joined, started CrossFit. Um, and if you look at where... Sarah has uh, her performances have dropped. It's been on the events where things are new, where you have to learn it. You have to switch to a new skill. Um, yeah. You know, I've worked, I've trained with Sarah. I've, I've coached her, and you yeah. can tell that that is when something's new on her. She takes that little bit longer than other athletes to be able to get good at it. Now, once she gets good at it, she gets very, very good at it. Yeah, it's just being able to on the spot be able to adjust and learn the skill not only learn it but then being nearly mastering it within the first few times of doing it mm-hmm. and you only get that um this the speed of going through that skill development once you've gone through twenty thousand different types of skills because um, you can just you know it's the the um muscle memory or the brain to muscle like connection yeah um, it's just there so it happens it happens quicker cool. that's cool that's cool <clears throat> when you were because I remember watching uh, one of the red pill training videos yeah um, and you you had joined in to, to, to was it a week of Sarah's training um, for the games or yeah yeah what um, did you feel what was the not the pressure like to, to coach an athlete like that had you ever caught, taught, taught an athlete at that level before this or so I'd so I actually I'd known Sarah through 2014 and and 15 we, we were we had the same weightlifting coach um so we had many training camps together and there was quite a lot of times where we'd have a weightlifting training camp but because obviously we were all crossfitters and like the open was coming up mm. we'd still have to do the other training and i was often put in charge of deciding what happens and what we do there um and there's so there's quite a few times when i'd coached her through some gymnastics bits and bits and bobs back earlier on before you know yeah. four or five years before I think that was the I think that was the 2019 season. Um, yeah, I remember the 2015 run up to the games. I was coaching around to do parallel handstand push ups. So we had that connection. We had that kind of relationship where she kind of, you know, I understood her as an athlete, and she understood how I understood how I worked as a coach. Um, but yeah, it was it was more eye opening to me watching her. The, in 2019 when we put her through some work um, how good of an athlete she is uh, you know how much she can how much she can take on um, and it was just it was one other thing that it's just I don't think that you know she's had many a few different coaches I don't think any coach has done anything wrong um, mm-hmm. I think I don't think she's done anything wrong um, when people ask why she never like, you know, she's been close to winning the games a few times, standing up on the podium. Yeah, um, it's just it literally has been just that bit of uh, lack of exposure to different skills when she was younger. I think she yeah. swam. I think she swam, and she you know she might have done other sports. I'm, I don't want to speak too much for her, but yeah, yeah. Um, that, that that's just kind of the everyone I see who just does well 
in CrossFit, you go and speak to them and they've played elite sport at yeah. some time. They've either played elite sport or they've played a lot of sport. Um, and they get all those skill transfer over. And, um, you know, with the, with the standard that CrossFit is at now, you need to have that to be able to get, to be able to be snatching 130 kilos or, you know, if you're a girl, 90 plus kilos. Like these aren't, yeah. these aren't easy feats anymore. When I, when I started CrossFit and I was competing at, um, regionals it was a 70 or 80 kilo snatch in the first couple of years mm-hmm. you know it's gone up a good 40 or 50k <laughs> yeah. um and you know luckily for me i could i could follow that trend of it of the standard kind of improving and, and i could keep up with it um getting into it now as an athlete and these youngsters get into it now like you said there with throwing said you need that big base to be able to reach that you know the wider the yeah, base, yeah. higher the peak higher the peak yeah um so yeah you, I fully agree with it. And it's also a bit of um, it's, uh, not resiliency, but um, yeah, like, less likely to burn. A bit more longevity in the sport yeah, if uh-huh. you've got that wider base. And they've not been like, um, CrossFit is like really just like physically demanding. Like there's not, there is skill elements to it, but in a competition, majority of the time it's max effort. Like everything yeah. as hard as you can. Yeah. So then training, becomes a lot higher intensity than most other sports um and you know that as a 14 or 15 year old is you know it wears people down yeah yeah Yeah. that's cool that's cool so you you were at regionals from 2012 through to 16 as an individual 12 13 14 15 16 yeah yeah um and i would say 15 15 2015 came third made it to the games yeah. that year. Um, but there was like a, a there was an tr- increasing trend there. So 2015, 35th, 13th, uh, 12th, sorry. 13th, 11th, 14th, um, 7th. And then 15, 2015, you came third. And then yeah. the year after was 39th. Yeah. Um, was, what happened? What happened there? Was there injuries? I, or? Really, I just got really shit across it. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got injured on the second yeah. event. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I was in good shape. I was still feel like I was top, top five. I was still good yeah. enough to follow. Like there's times that I was doing in training were good enough to make the games again. Mm-hmm. Put, a lot of, put a lot into that year. Um, you know, just as much, if not more than the, the years before. before. I felt a lot of pressure that I had to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've said it. I've said it on uh, Eric's Eric the Weightlifting One One podcast. It was after 2015. It was quite hard for me to get back into training. So I planned to have two, two, uh, three, maybe four weeks off. Mm-hmm. I had three full weeks, and then I just started doing little bits. You know, joining my mates and the classes, and um, you know, gradually decided to up it. And then when I got the training volume back up to a level that I was at previously. My body just doesn't, it wasn't reacting to it. And I was just, I was just exhausted. Yeah. Um, just like physically and, and mentally. I had a lot of stuff to, to uh, catch up on in the business from after the games. And I think a bit, it's a bit of an adrenaline dump, you know, being in LA for three weeks in Costa Mesa for two weeks before, yeah. Spain the week before that, just this big long training camp in all these nice places then being stuck back in Wigan um, <laughs> and my dog just like crying at me to go out for a walk and, <laughs> yeah, no. and then all this paperwork and crap from the gym that I had to um, look after it was just a bit of like a you know a slap back to reality mm-hmm. um, 
So that along with just being like mentally and physically quite exhausted and then feeling the pressure to have to, to, to get back in 2016. Um, I just felt like the whole season I was, I was training more and more because I felt like I needed to catch up more and more okay. to keep yeah. with the standards. Like in my head, it was always like, like what's the standard I need to be at for everything. Yeah. And I need to be above that. Okay. So if I can be above that, I'll get to the games. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was some tough workouts for me on, on that year, 2016. There was a, um, it was a 400 meter run, 30 or 40, I can't remember how many it was, GHD sit-ups, and then um, seven deadlifts at 185, 184. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Uh, I'm not a great deadlifter. I could probably prefer to have seven back squats at 185, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, are, you, are, you, are, you in that, are you in that? Yeah, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. <laughs> short lever guys, yeah. Um, but I got to the point where I could do that workout unbroken and in a decent time, a time that would have been more than good enough with the rest of the events where I'd qualify for games. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I'd, I'd worked on to get there. And then it just, I think there was just a mixture of a small bit of unluckiness, but also just me being so like focused on getting at that standard i was putting my body through things that it probably wasn't you know ready to do mm-hmm. um and it got to that second event it's just a kettlebell snatch and a tweet my back yeah uh, tweet my back during it and it was it was like after the event when i sat down when it just kind of like fully locked up yeah. and with the next day i had ghd sit-ups deadlifts pistol squats yeah. power cleans which would have been more like Jefferson curls with the workout, <laughs> just like 50 kilo power. Clean. Just, yeah. Um, it was just not a good, a good mm-hmm. uh, decision to carry on competing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was that, that took that year out. And then that was kind of a, the point where it's, you know, when I, when I realized when I spoke to my physio, then James Jowson, he said he wouldn't be confident. He wouldn't be happy letting me out to go and compete. Like I trusted everything that he said. So it was just like, that was just like a, it's like a relief. I felt like a lot of like relief has come off the shoulders because it was out of my hands why I couldn't get to the games. I wasn't trying to just like mm-hmm. keep up. Um, so then it was just like, uh, just change a bit of direction and, and pursue some team. Yeah. For the next few years. Cool. Yeah. Cause you, we were, we were at the regionals where, when, when you guys won. And yeah. that was, chaos that was cool yeah um did you guys go into that knowing that you you had a like a decent a decent shot at, at winning you say never mind just getting a podium but yeah i mean when when i decided that we we're going to go team mm-hmm. that I was going to go team um i spoke with jack i spoke with ben massey and jane who just jack and jane that i trained with each day at jst mm-hmm. ben came up from twickenham and we needed to find two of our girls because it was six and a team back then. Yeah. And um, it was like, well, we're not just going to get a team that's going to get to the games. Like, no. We want to get a team that's definitely going to get to the games and then compete at the games. I've mm. uh, got no interest in just making up numbers Yeah, just uh, yeah. when we get there. So, we, yeah, we, we knew that the team that we were taking, I mean, we came second in the Open worldwide just behind Froning's team. Um, we knew that we were... Yeah, you, yeah. We were good enough. We just needed to, you know, regionals was more of a, a test to kind of stick to the plan. You know, we did a lot of training together, stick to our strategy and, and tactics and kind of try and 
um, you know, execute them to the best level we could because that's what we're going to have to do in a few months' time at the games if we qualify. Obviously, it was amazing to then do that and qualify. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like similar things. Liverpool just won the league, like the, over the moon. Now they've won the league, but I mean they were winning the league from yeah from Christmas time when they were that far ahead. But when they finally it happens, it's it's still a great feeling to yeah. know that you've done it with all your all your mates as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that just reminds me there. So 2015 when you when you made the games, that was like kind of my first year almost getting in, in across fit and then having watched the games and things and having seen you watching regionals and having seen you um qualify, I was like, cool, it's like one of the first British guys to to make it. Yeah. I remember thinking on it now. I'm like, what the fuck were you thinking? And uh, the <laughs> the the events came out, um, and it was the sandbag um, wheelbarrow oh, up the stairs, over the, wall, the stairs over the wall thing. And yeah. I had <laughs> sent you a message because obviously back in the day, I did uh, parkour and free running as a as a coach. Right. Uh, all this climbing up buildings and. Oh, this yeah. stupid so I'd, I'd send you a message being like, oh, you've got to climb this wall to fucking get your sandbags up on top of this. <laughs> this is the perfect way to do it. And thinking back on it, I was like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so, that would probably, um, you know, I got on that wall quite well, so I don't know if I took that technique on, but why didn't I give you any technique about how to use wheelbarrow? Because <laughs> I fucking dropped that one, didn't I? You should have got Jack, he's the farmer, no? He could have showed you how to do it. Do you know what? Do you know what, what really, I came last on that event. That was one of the fuck ups. And I actually I pulled a lot of time back. I would have probably come middle of the pack, maybe. I was good at stuff yeah. like that, just yeah. hard work stuff. But I knew that that wheelbarrow would be heavy because it was quite a wide thing and I love a small frame. It's quite wide out here, so I knew it would be wobbly and I didn't get the weight perfect. Yes. I struggled to overpower it. Um, and I'm going to use the, the small lever. Um, <laughs> again, but my centre of gravity is a lot lower than everyone else's, so I couldn't yeah. overpower this wheelbarrow. These big guys were just picking up and, and you know, to the end, it was no issue. And I turned when we got told the event, I turned to Phil Askoff and said, I'm thinking about doing this wheelbarrow in two runs. I would load it in half, running it there, doing it really quick, bring it back and then load it in another half. And he was like, nah, <laughs> you don't need to do that. No one needs to do that. It won't be that heavy. And I was like, sure. Was fuck like, yeah, yeah fuck, I'll do it one thing. And I remember picking it up and within like three metres I dropped it. And I was just like, you fuck. Sabotage. <laughs> Full yeah. enough when people mention the games, that's the only event they freaking talk to me about. Ah. <laughs> no, but not you know, not about tenth in heavy DT or you know, yeah. tenth clean and jerk, you know, nothing like that. <laughs> the one wheelbarrow flip. So <laughs> you're you're quite a like you're you're a strong guy for like on your Olympic lifts and all this yeah. kind of stuff. Is that something that you've had to work on or were you just like was that something that kind of came quite naturally to you? I did. I had have to work on it quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do remember seven, snatching seventy k um, right. uh, within my first year of CrossFit, and it being. A, I remember PB and that being a PB. I also remember not having a squat rack, so I had, and I wanted to do some front squats at uh, ninety kilos. Yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to have to power clean this up and do my front 
squats and I couldn't power clean it up. Oh, shit. Um, okay. With the first six months. Yeah. Um, so, like, I wasn't, you know, I've always had strong ish legs at yeah. like sprinting and, you know, mm. running and, and jumping and stuff like that. But the transfer actually into technique and Olympic lifts took a, took a bit longer. Right. Um, it was only really, so I'd gotten the point, I got to, what was it, 2014, I think when I was at 2014 games, I think I could snatch 105 and clean and jerk at like 145 or something, yeah. which would, were decent. They weren't top, but they were decent numbers. Decent numbers, and, yeah. Um, I needed to, you know, I needed to get them up to the to the rest. I needed to get them as good numbers so I can, you know, be top tens in, in lifting. And it was I went going and seeing Sean Clegg, who's down in Manchester, where who was a Commonwealth Games um, lifter. He competed in Glasgow actually in Commonwealth Games. Um, and I went training within three days a week for you know six to nine months. Um, and he really transferred like he's he's a, he's a great coach but it not so much in the sense of like improving my technique it would just be how he would communicate things those little yeah. things but then he'd get me in the zone to be able to lift and he just got he built like a love of weightlifting for me which then helped me like <clears throat> help my numbers rather than just like over complicating with like where the weight should be in your forefoot heels yeah. toes, you know and it would say really simple things about like, you know, finishing your pull or keep the bar close and it just not overcomplicate it. And just the atmosphere and, you know, the, the attitude that he had just, just, you know, just got along with him really well. Um, and that's just what ultimately what, and which might, his, his methodology and weightlifting as well just really just helped my numbers. It was very much, you go heavy. If you feel yeah. good, you go heavy, and then you do <laughs> drop sets, and then you do another, and you do four exercises. You do a snatch, you do a clean jerk, you do a squat, you do a pull, or some variation. Yeah. And you just, you just, I went, just went through that for six months, and it got to the point. Um, well, my max, uh, max snatch got to 126, which is fairly low compared to my clean and jerk, which got to 163. Um, you know, which, you know, even now is, is well, the clean and jerk anyway is a, is a competitive number for yeah, CrossFit. Yeah. I remember actually in 2011 competing in Sweden and I, and there was a max clean and jerk. And I tried to open at, uh, at 105, <laughs> failed the clean, opened up, and then I went down to 102 and failed the jerk and I recorded a zero for my score. Oh, class. Okay. Yeah, and I'd travelled all the way to freaking Sweden <laughs> about a grand on a flight to get there. Oh, and, no. Yeah, got booted out of this competition because I couldn't jerk. 102 kilos and then about six years later I jerked 170 so <laughs> there you go it's fuel fuel for the fire but you know I wouldn't have ever I don't think I'd ever kind of really got those top end numbers if I didn't start to love weightlifting and I hope that only came about with the work that I did with Sean really yeah. um, obviously I'm built to squat I've got short legs I've got long torso yeah. a lot of that came a lot quicker than you know than other people would but um yeah yeah cool with uh what do you mean shorter like uh like us two um the 2019 games on team yeah the the dominance that you guys had in the ruck run event yeah was that planned or did you know did you go into that event thinking we can never mind win it but stay yeah. out ahead of everyone for the whole thing yeah, so we'd we'd um, 
we'd qualified out of Reykjavik with me, Jack, Jane, Sam Briggs. Mm. Um, you know, Sam, Sam stepped in nearly last minute for Emma McQuaid, who was supposed to be in our team. That's who we did the qualifiers with. Uh, but she hurt her wrist, I think. Um, but so those three, there's me, Jack, Jane, we were all good runners. Mm-hmm. So we needed another girl. To, whoever we picked, they need to run as fast as us, okay. uh, if not faster. Otherwise, it would be pointless that with how fast that we can run. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially if you look at um, so the team selection is always quite important. But Jane, who is our girl, she's a great runner, great engine, strong as in like squats, deadlifts, mm-hmm. uh, cleans as well, actually. And, you know, she can snatch well, but once she wouldn't say it was a, her greatest strength. You know, she can do all the gymnastics well, but it's not like a great strength. Her great strength is her engine mm-hmm. and, her, and her running, especially. Me and Jack have had to keep up with Jane and running for years on end, so we've managed to keep up with her, and she's brought our running on. Yeah. But we needed a girl that could fit in and run as well as Jane. Um, Helena had been in our teams before, and she was she was known that she was a good runner. She was a good rower. She had a great engine, and she was pretty much if you put her and Jane next to each other, they're just the same athlete, um, or very similar. Um, so that she just fit in the team well. And then we knew then we've got a team of four good runners. And, um, you know, these Americans, they're not very good at running. <laughs> to be honest, they're not. Endurance, they're, they're, known, they're not very well known for their endurance. Like obviously, you've got some, you know, your phrases and, and whatever. But I'm sure he's even Canadian. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like the, the, I think it's just the, the culture of their sports growing up. They're very much power-based sports. Yeah. Sports that we've all done. Jackson sailing. I've done, I did football. Jane played played professional football. I think Helena did rowing and football. Yeah. Very much more endurance based, and that's that's a lot of the same. When you look at people across Europe, you always find the European athletes have, have better capacity than their actual strength or skill level. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Americans are they're not great at running, no. um, which is, was good for us. Um, <laughs> It just made us look even better when we got there. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we we needed we needed that though. It was a, yeah. we we hadn't done great at the events before with a couple of mess ups, and we needed that. And we were glad it came on because you know there's not many times you can say that you've won a, an event at the games. Yeah, yeah, that was cool, that was cool, cool, cool. And the way you did it as well, that was, that was cool to watch. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you've had success in team and individual. So it's that ongoing debate that we ask everyone. You might not prefer one or the other, but what are the, the different sort of experiences? Do you prefer one or the other? Would you push back to individual or would you still push team? Or? You know, this last, this, last, this last four months, I was supposed to compete uh, two times as an individual and once more as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them being, all of them being sanctioned events. So I had planned this season, you know, just to have a double at some sanctioned events. No intention of getting to the games as an individual. Yeah. Um, just because I've never competed in a sanctioned event mm-hmm. and felt like I wanted to tick that off. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I still have my invite for Egypt, which I qualified for, which has been carried over to next year. So maybe I'll, maybe we'll go on there. But, yeah, sweet. Um, was, was, sorry, was the question, what was the difference between team and individual? Yeah, just your experiences. Yeah. yeah. So team was never even in the question until 2016 like yeah until i'd until i'd achieved what i wanted to achieve on my own it's quite mm-hmm. a selfish way of thinking but until i had done oh, that yeah. i was 
I wasn't interested in team. I did other team events like strength and depth, you know, where it's yeah. 12, teams of 12 and stuff like that. They were great. But I didn't want to sacrifice my regionals appearance to go in a team and I could be there individually working towards my goal. But once I done, hit my goal in 2015, you know, I, I, had, I had that. No one could take that away from me. That was at the games individually then. Then it was like, right, no other team from the UK had gone to the games. Um, we've got the opportunity here with these athletes that I'm training day to day with and, and the athletes that I'm coaching to be able to tick that box. Um, and that was a that was a really nice switch in like mentality because it went from having five years about it just being like, you know, where's my deadlift at? What weight can I deadlift? What weight can I snatch? How fast can I roll 500s? You know, just having that complete that pressure on me every single day to be able to bring these levels up to be at a standard. Um, took a bigger twist because it was no longer about that. It was how, how well could we work together? How's the communication? How do we lift the worm as a team of six? How do you synchro, you know, pull-ups, chest to bar pull-ups? You know, there's a lot, there's a loads of these new like skills and factors which just made it, it was just a nice change of like pace. Um, you st- I was still competing at the highest level and I was still pushing myself, but it was just, that change was just a nice uh, break for me. Yeah, that's why I continued. I feel like what we learned in 2017 um, put was in a better position for the next couple of years because we were kind of one of the first teams to you know go out there and and do it and, mm-hmm. and have so much time together. The knowledge that we learn of how to do things, we could then pass on to a lot of other teams. Yeah. That's what a lot of what we tried to do these last two years in JST competers get quite a few different teams. Uh, to different events and kind of upskill them all. This is how you yeah. worm, so then they could go and do these different events and represent us and represent themselves. Um, so that was nice. But then, it, like I said, it just in this last six to nine, well, nine months, I just felt like a fancy a little bit of a go myself <laughs> again. So it's nice just to be able to slip between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest, it's, it's I find them both equally as stressful but it's just a different type of stress like the stress of individually is the stress for individual is more like pressure i'm putting on myself to be able to be at this standard to you know to do this that and the other um whereas the stress when i'm in a team is because usually i'm the team captain it's it's being the man in charge that make do the who calls the call and makes the decisions um so you know equally as stressful but they're just different but it's nice to be able to you know, change between the two. Cool. Um, <clears throat> the other, the other debate that goes back and forward is uh, regionals versus sanctionals. Yeah. What's, uh, what's your thoughts on on the new <laughs> the new way we do things? Yeah. Um, do you know what, what I love about sanctionals is, I mean, I, I competed in Miami in February. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, I was supposed to then be going into Egypt. I was supposed to go into Rogue in May. Um, I can't remember the other event I was supposed to be doing. There's one in Washington. Um, anyway, you, you can travel around the world, yeah. um, which is which is something that you don't get that much of an opportunity to do if you, you know, just a normal person doesn't um, compete in CrossFit. Um, so that's that's cool to be able to do that, and also to have the flexibility to be able to compete when you want, and you're not just tied down to this one weekend in May. Yeah. Your whole year revolves around. Yeah. Um, that was a stressful thing in itself where, you know, you could get, you get ill in the middle of the open and that those yeah. scores, could, that, that could drop 10% off your score because you're ill. 
and then you're not going to regionals and then you've, you've, you've trained all year and it's done. done yeah. um, or, you know, you can, get, you can get ill the week before regionals or you can get injured on day one of regionals like I added and your season yeah, is just done. You know, that injury I had, it wasn't that serious. Like six weeks later, I could probably complete, I could have competed again. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I could have picked a sanctional six weeks later and I had my next shot going to the game. So that was a, that's what I like about the sanctioned events. Um, but what I miss about regionals is just, you know, the event. Mm-hmm. It's just, it was epic. There was, yeah. you, know, you knew that every top athlete in Europe or when it went to Meridian, Europe and Africa, and yeah. all that, they were going to be there and you were going to be competing against them. And everyone, like, there was always a huge crowd. Like when he came 17, mm-hmm. always a huge crowd, always a great atmosphere. And it was just like, you knew that that, that was the cream of the crop in Europe yeah. and you were there and you were competing against them. It's like it was a European Championships, basically. Yeah. Um, so I do miss, I miss that. Um, there's rumour that it might come back. Yeah, I saw that. But yeah, that, that would be, uh, that would be cool. Uh, but I'm quite happy to say that I was a regional athlete and then no one else can become a regional athlete anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sanct- Sanction as athlete now. It's not got, got the same ring to it. <laughs> oh, it's not, is it? Uh, cool. Um, so you touched on um, GST Compete. Yeah, it's had massive success now with, with within itself, and then the guys that are that are out everywhere competing. Um, and yeah. how did that that build? Did it snowball, or was it a sudden? Yeah, it was. Um, it, was it it came about. We 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 started to have kind of six to ten members of our gym get into competing. Like myself, mm-hmm. I competed from when we began the the gym. John, the other owner, was was it also got to regionals in 2012. So we were seen there as like you know competitors, some you know up there in Europe. Um, so if that naturally just made some of our younger members uh, who had the time to be able to do a bit more training. They wanted to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we soon grew like a little bit of a group of tennis or athletes who wanted a little bit more outside of just doing the classes. We started doing a competitors class on a Saturday and then a Thursday and then they wanted extras to do on a Monday, Tuesday and a Friday. Yeah. So then those extras became the, the Google document spreadsheet that I made for them. Um, and yeah, that just, that became the Compete program. That was, we called the class the Compete class and then that became the JST Compete program. Um, and yeah, as we grew and we had good success over at competitions, then people would inquire and say, oh, can I jump on your, can you get any programs? So we started selling it to people outside the gym. Um, and it just, uh, it's, it's took on from there, really. I think in 2000, after the games 2015, there was about, we had about 40 athletes. Um, and it was after that point. And I, I say before, when I was training in 2016, I was putting myself under a lot of pressure, but I was also trying to, make a living off the back of 2015 having gone to the games because you know yeah. you don't get paid by a crossfit by again i had a couple of sponsors give me a couple hundred quid but it, it was right. like it wasn't paying my bills you know what i mean it, yeah. it wasn't paying me rent paying for me petrol so i needed to <laughs> needed to keep doing something that's going to earn me some money and, and get something that I can build for the future yeah. so i put a lot more time in 2016 into um into that into building that and that's actually when Jack came on board as well. So we kind of doing a lot of stuff together for it. 
um, I can't remember the numbers, but we, you know, we'd probably doubled in size quite quite quickly within six months. Um, and it was after it was after that. Also, then the team thing came around in 2017. We just give us more exposure. We just got out there um, more and more. Cool. Uh, but yeah, that's how it, it just it just came about as a program that we did for our members, which people outside the gym wanted to wanted to get involved with, um, and we just started to you know publish it out there so that people could. Cool. Was, luckily, there was not many people out there that did it back then. If I tried doing it now, then you know, there's about yeah. every Tom Dick and Harry's doing it at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So they, 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 they soon realise how hard a job it is and sack it off, though, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've obviously, obviously, it's real successful now. Um, everywhere you go, you seem to like every competition you go. There's people cutting about with JFD t-shirts on and that. Um, who do you think? This might be a quite a tough question, or it might be quite easy. Um, who do you think is the, the most talented person you've coached or worked with? Like, just like raw CrossFit talent. <laughs> we don't want you to get beat up if you pick that. <laughs> pick the wrong person. Razor Clark. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to pick a boy and a girl. Yeah, fair. Um, and they're, they're upcoming as well. They're not like... Cool. Yeah, uh, Reggie is the boy. Um, you've heard it here. He'll yeah. be, I think he'll be a top boy in the UK, especially yeah. um, for years to come. Um, I've seen what he's been doing in training over the last few months. We've got, we've had a little WhatsApp group together with a few of us, and the lads, him and Mikey, are just kind of bouncing off each other. Yeah. And the lads yeah. are just, you know, the the reaching levels. They're both two. They're both front squat two hundred kilos last week. Yeah, yeah so that like yeah. their numbers that you're not allowed to front squat. You don't do that. unnecessary. Only weightlifters do that. Like, yeah, and he's like five foot four, and you know he's he's got um, <laughs> he's beat he's uh, in Waterpalooza. He had that twelve minute max effort row, and he beat yeah. every person there. Pat Velmer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that, that really Cole Sager was on as well. Yeah. Right? Like he didn't just beat them; he just absolutely yeah, smashed yeah. pieces. Um, you know, there's things that he's 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 working on. He's got his, his snatched up to build up, but his actual, we say talent. It's more of his like raw like energy and yeah. will to want to improve and compete. Like mm-hmm. I've not seen that in anyone as much as I've seen it in Reggie. That's cool. Um, and it's quite like you just being around him, you just get um, you just get a bit of a buzz that yeah, you know. Uh, he's going to do some good things over the next few years. I think that row event was just that was like that was mental. Like I said the ruined ruined Liam's life. Liam always makes the so I'm too small to row well. Um, yeah. like five <laughs> five three on a good day. Yeah. And then you went and did that, and I was like, ah, oh, great, cheers, Reggie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't have an excuse. Uh, that excuse went for me when I realised I was the same height as Rich Fronin. so i better i better let go of that one (laughs) um yeah i mean yeah it shows that you know there's no such thing as too small to roll you just have to roll more um (laughs) yeah girls wise um i don't know if i can bring down to one there's a there's a few there's so there's taylor who's up who's up there currently you know she's knocking on the door she's got a lot of talent you know, when I talk about uh, what I said with Sarah before, like being able to adjust to a new skill, when I give Taylor a, um, uh, like a coaching cue, 
I'll try this. It's just like some people they have to do it a few days, a few weeks, and then it clicks. Yeah. She just goes, right, okay, just show us one rep. You do one rep, okay, and then you can, do, you can just do it straight away. Like she can just take on mm-hmm. information and new skills, like just like that. That's a great skill to be able to have. And that shows why she's such a skillful athlete in terms of her weightlifting and her gymnastics. Um, because they're, they're, it's the highest skilled movements that you know she can really dial in on. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's improved a lot over this last, over this off season. Uh, she's had a great, um, what was it being, what are we on now, four months of lockdown. Um, and she, yeah, she's improved She's improved a lot and excited to see how she does in, in this season. Uh, there's two, there's two, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of girls. Like I said before, I've never seen many people run as fast as Jane has run. Um, Jane Edie. Yeah. That more so in train when I've done stuff with her in training, just like yeah. just completely knocks us all out of the park. <laughs> She's not really had the opportunity on her own to be able to show it in competition, like Briggsy has, for example. But she, yeah. I think she'd be up there with Briggsy. Um, and you know, there's other girls. There's, there's Ella Wilkinson. There's Evie Hollis. Um, you know, they, those are two, both two young girls. I think Ella's twenty, maybe twenty-one. Evie's twenty-two or twenty-three. Um, both getting to sanctions last year. Evie, Evie did quite a few. She did a lot of loser as an individual. Ella at a filthy 150. Um, both in their own way of super talented. Um, and I've got a lot of yeah, big future ahead of them. That's cool. Unfortunately, we've got them under our belt. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Steering the right path. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so I've only recently learned about the. Uh, the tiers, is that what you guys in the in GST? Yes. Tiers? How do those, is there a certain, uh, I don't know if it's exposure or is there certain levels or boxes you need to tick to, to climb the tiers or how do you guys kind of? So I presume you're on about the individual programming tiers. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we, so we have the competition programs, which are £40 mm-hmm. a month. I've actually just, our latest podcast uh, is about explaining how those competition, how those programs flow. Like there's a bit of a system to it. It's not just like one program yeah, that's yeah. on. It's like one giant program. There's a bit more of a flow, and you can, when you're following that and you follow it properly, and you take on the information we give you, you can kind of build yourself your own individual, like periodized training plan from the from what we're we're given we're giving them. And that's what I wanted to create when we started GST is something that was. Fine for people's budget, like forty quid a month. Might it's like one pound twenty or something yeah. a day. It's not, you know, it's not breaking the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, spend probably more than that on a flat white <laughs> yeah. a month. Um, but to be able to give them so much information so that everyone has the tools to be able to train well and train properly and become more educated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like the main part. That's like the main like bottom. Tier. It's not the bottom tier, but it's not the bottom, it's the main tier. Um, and then we have the £80 a month, the £120 a month, and then the £200 a month tier. So, like tier one, tier two, tier three. Yeah. And basically, when you talk about experience, if, if you're going to be a top athlete, then you probably do need towards the higher end because you need that contact with a coach where they're going to be. Like I speak to athletes daily over phone, call whenever they want. It's just like it's that one-to-one yeah. contact um but a lot of people they don't have that money 
they don't have two hundred pound a month to, to spend, yeah. um, and you know some people don't want to might have it, but they don't want to spend two hundred, and that's completely fine. But they might want that extra little bit of accountability from a one-to-one coach. Mm-hmm. But the tiers just kind of go up. The eighty pound, the eighty pound is basically one of the forty pound program types taken and adjusted for that individual, and given like an extra forty pounds worth of value from the coach. If that yeah. makes sense of what the change in the, the additional bits tweaked here and there or whatever and then the one-to-one contact with them and then the 120 if you just kind of like double the workload that a coach takes that's what that offers just even more adjustment like a bit closer to just being a fully individualized program um but still taking a lot of kind of the the methods and principles that we're using on the on the other programs um so it's trying trying to kind of like what i've always found as a as a coach in crossfit and an athlete, there's a, there's like a misalignment of what an athlete expects from a coach. If they they're thinking a forty pound, an eighty pound individual program, they're thinking that they're thinking that eighty pounds that's quite a lot of money to spend. But eighty pounds a month for a coach to earn is twenty pounds a week. A lot of us at coach classes get paid fifteen to twenty pound an hour. PT rates 30 to 40 pound an hour so it's like right well is that one hour's worth of work per week one it takes at least one hour to write a program and then you want call tech. Yeah. Um, so it's trying to like bridge that gap so that's why the 80 pound programs take a good chunk of the main competition programs that we're writing and then the coach can then put more of their time into speaking to the athlete and making the more individual tweaks and um, you know, the more tweaks and the more individual I want, the higher higher the tier goes. So we've got people on the top tiers that aren't top athletes, but um, you know, but they either want or they need just full a full individual approach. But you know, there's there's athletes that are at sanction level, um, you know, sanctions of and the you know, your evanders and um give too many examples off my head that uh, are on the forty pound programs and they're just taking in the information that we're giving them. <coughs> they're learning and they're just applying it to their own training and they're still following the program but they're applying all the other bits of advice and it's helping them get to that 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 level yeah um so that's what we're just trying we're trying to get like a a tier system or an approach where you know if you can afford 40 pound per month we've got a program that's going to get you pretty far Um, and yeah it's going to if if you want more and you want to get that extra little bit um you know, the opportunities there, but we understand that not everyone wants to or can uh, afford the extra. Yeah, no, that makes complete complete sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so before we get into these Instagram questions, Instagram questions that are all from the same person, um, what's next for you? What, what's next? Let's start competition-wise before coaching-wise. Yeah, so as a, so athlete first, you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go yeah. Athlete first. yeah. So obviously I was, I was supposed to compete three times during lockdown they all got cancelled so at this point of time i planned to have an off season anyway yep so i've done that for the last four weeks you know i've not really been um doing too much crossfit um on that horrible thing back there quite a lot, quite <laughs> a lot. but i like cycling as well I've been getting out on my bike quite a lot so that's been my main exercise over the last month um and to be honest, I've learned to uh, to not make set plans. Like I can't anymore. I've got I've got an eighteen month old kid, 
wife got a house that's currently being knocked down and rebuilt which causes <laughs> me a lot of stress <laughs> yeah. um, you know and i've got a, uh, a business to run with jst compete and and, uh, and i'm involved in in owning fitter training the website that we use uh, as well so yeah. a lot of stuff on um so the good thing that sanctions is competitions through the year and yeah. i feel like the time's right if i do feel like it's right then i can give myself enough time to ramp it up and get to the level I want to be able to compete. But where that'll be, I'm not sure. Like I said, I've got the invite for Egypt. So, you know, maybe a fancy little holiday in Egypt after it. So <laughs> I might go for that one. Um, coaching wise, I, I just want to get all of my athletes to the level they want to get to, whether that's games or, um, you know, sanctioned events. I'll just get help them achieve what what they what their goals are, um, yeah, and just get more of our athletes on the on the competition and as and as, as high up. Keep growing, JST compete, and offering as much advice and information out to the guys that are, are on the program. Um, yeah, and just helping as many people with the, whether they're training for renal trials or they're training for uh, Dubai fitness championships. Like, help them all, um, cool. give them all the tools that. I had to go out and search when I was starting CrossFit. Hopefully yeah. now we can be the people that gives them the tools so they don't have to, you know. Yeah. So they don't start thinking that doing this go ward mobility and uh, sticking this complex on the legs is going <laughs> to get to the next level. You said you guys have started your, <clears throat> your podcast. Is that just YouTube or where could people... Yeah, we do. Um, so we've done, it, we've done five... Uh, episodes now we're on our youtube page it's jst compete program i think <laughs> and uh spotify with jst compete spotify, sweet. Cool. Yeah. sweet um right <laughs> so questions we'll just go quick fire through these as, as best we can um yeah. first one st- straight in reggie or mikey who you got in a fight Reggie, oh. we don't need. We won't need an explanation. You, you can explain to Mikey why you. Yeah. <laughs> um, next one. How how does Farmer Jack have such big forearms? Uh, sailing. There we go. Ex pro sailor. Um, all the all the tooling. Yeah. 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 If if Steve wore a Juicy Ninja shirt, would he make it to the games as an individual again? I know the answer to that one already. It's yes. yes. Um, <laughs> did it take 10 years off you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You did that too. Any, well, you, you need it to do. That's I'm actually 64 <laughs> right now. So. <laughs> um, uh, are GST planning on making teams like they did for Sid in 2019? You guys plan on doing that again whenever? Did, uh, yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was good. What we did, we got three. We did trials. And we got three teams there, and it was good to have um, that turnout at a, a home, a grown competition. Uh, definitely something we enjoyed doing, and if uh, cost us a lot of money, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> set the budget out. But um, yeah, it was. We loved doing it, and we try and like we want to try and do that for all the closer sanctioned events, like the filthy one fifties and mm. um, the close by ones. Oh yeah. Um, off the top of your head, worst and best competition experience? 
best competition experience is qualifying for the games. Um, the more specifically event, what's the second to last event? Event six, the Rowan Chester Bars and Hansen Posh Ups. Um, uh, probably, yeah, some events at the games as well, but that one's the one, the regionals to qualify for the game sticks out in my head kind of a bit more. Uh, worst 2014, there was a deadlift, uh, 21 of deadlifts and box jumps workout. It was like 143 kilo deadlifts that crippled me. Um, didn't enjoy that one, <laughs> yeah. Coming last in the wheelbarrow, although I actually enjoyed doing the workout, it was just like I knew after five minutes into the workout, like, yeah, I'm last, but you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sat in front of 50,000 people here and. I kind of stopped. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bit demoralising. Um, Murph, 2015 was bad. Oh. Uh, that's what that T-shirt represents there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the T-shirt I wore. <laughs> I um, yeah, I didn't enjoy that. I love, I love doing Murph. Mm. Didn't enjoy that. Um, very hot. Yeah. Uh, weren't allowed to drink water, believe it or not. Really? Well, was that scene with... Castro, Fraser, Matt Fraser asked for water, and Castro was like, "You can go across and, and get it yourself, or something." But you get cut or uh, get a medical withdrawal from the competition. <clears throat> yeah, oh, great. Cheers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I didn't enjoy that bit. Um, but yeah, yeah. Was the worst experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite sanctional so far that you've you've been to? <clears throat> um. Miami, Waterpalooza. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, I always was class. It was like a festival. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was It was just like, it was just a bit smaller. It was just like the games, though. It, just mm-hmm. how they set it up and yeah. how the, the competition floor, you were competing on and the athletes there and the music and just what they had going on. It was, it was yeah, like I say, it was the festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think it helped being in the team. We had Taylor, uh, Anetta, Mikey and my team, but then we also had Reggie and... Yeah. Uh, Phil Biscard, Isla, and a lot of other guys from JST. So it was just a good, yeah, it was a good big squad. Yeah, cool. Um, <clears throat> so there's notes on this one to say answer carefully. Is, uh, is Sammy Robb your favourite Scotsman? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Sammy. <laughs> Santino Marini is the boy. <laughs> <laughs> the OG. Uh, many people will take Tino's place. <laughs> and if you're Scottish and you're listening, you don't know who Santino Marini is, go and do some research. He's <laughs> but don't join his programme, join mine instead. <laughs> um, I think you've already answered this one. When did you yeah. move away from owning the gym and who took over? We, we pretty much covered, we covered that. Yeah. yeah, the thing is, I've not actually announced... <laughs> It's not legally gone through, so and I hadn't announced anything. Um, but yeah, uh, November, no. November um, just John, the the J Jonathan has mm. taken over, taken my share. Cool. Um, being from Wigan, what's it like being a hard bastard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've only lived in Wigan for nine years, <laughs> um, but I'm a hard bastard anyway. So it's, it's nice <laughs> you fit in. Yeah. With- I lived in Lancaster for 21 years, then moved to Wigan and became an even harder bastard. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, it's only down the road. Transition was fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm assuming you guys have this coming up in the next few weeks. In the in the 5K road test in a few weeks, is anyone going to beat Reggie? 
I don't know if Reggie's got it, you know, I don't think he's been following the raw thing, but um, I think Julian, oh. my athlete Julian, is a, is a Danish lad. Ju- Julian is Craig Mashitz or something, I can't remember how you say his yeah, name. He's a, he's a beast on raw. He's done a sub-17, which is like oh. a... Oh. 140 pace, I think. So yeah, I don't think many yeah, people will be. Um, be I think Reg, I don't think Reggie's been doing his things, but he's mm. ruined. Yeah. He probably has been on the sly when not even told Jack. But um, <laughs> no, I don't think anyone. I don't think anyone will beat Julian. Cool. But if anyone was going to, it's going to be Reggie. <laughs> They're up there, both of them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's not really a question it's more of a statement of uh hook a brother up with meg's number but we'll uh next <laughs> 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 next is that is that from you or someone else <laughs> that, that's fraser we'll blame, we'll blame yeah. Yeah. Well. No, it's him yeah. i read it i read it out for you now <laughs> <laughs> meg uh, watch Meg, just give Fra- give me give fraser a dm make him happy <laughs> there we go <laughs> meg is weak um, RBE, <laughs> what is it? Is RBE? Um, <laughs> I'd say any, I'll tell you anything on the podcast, but I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah. So it's those things <laughs> that came in, I was like, I have no idea what these mean. Like, I don't know if I should actually ask. Like, is this a, yeah. <laughs> I'll just chuck it in there and see. So um, it's one of those things. If I, if I tell, yeah, if I tell you, I'll either have to kill you or I'll get killed. Okay. <laughs> skip it, skip past that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, what has been the stupidest, stupidest strategic thing you've ever done in a workout? Mm. This is gone. Probably picking a 105 kilo cleaning jerk when it was <laughs> when it was my one RM, <laughs> um, and I'd done. It was four minutes of shuttle runs, one minute rest, four minutes of double unders, one minute rest, four minutes. Max clean jerk. I opened up the max clean jerk. Class. It's, just it's a good play. It's a good play. Yeah, yeah. power yeah. move. Old move. <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, I think I've been pretty good with tactics and strategy. Other than that, um, not doing two runs with the wheelbarrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was a big one. No. Heskey sabotaged you on that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. <clears throat> Still do circa 2018, 21.59 poster bar and power snatch. Did you or Jack actually manage it? Jack managed it and he did it once within. Is this Fraser again? Yeah. Come yeah. on, isn't it? <laughs> um, it was quite a funny stuff, actually. So I made a workout. It was four minutes on, two minutes off. And within four minutes, you had to do a 21.59 of power snatch and toaster bar. <laughs> then I'm wrapped just a random movement within the four minutes if you finished it. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes in my, in my head, I just 21, 15, yeah, I'll take about three minutes. Ah, yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, just really bad calculations and had every single person on the, com- on the compete program just crying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, you're being wusses, like Jack's about to go and do it now and he'll, and he'll smash it. And he got one round in like three minutes, 50. Oh. And then it just like died a death for the rest. <laughs> it was like four repeats of it as well. It was, oh. <laughs> well I just held my hands up on that one. Sorry, guys. Kind of fucked up. How big was the lash after 2017 regionals? Big. 
Yeah. <laughs> we we had a big one as well. That's, yeah. I, I went missing. Yeah, for like half yeah you went missing. Uh, <laughs> it was bigger in 2015, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah they were big. <laughs> There's probably over the, you know, the last five years, probably had eight times where I've been drunk. And if it's not from winning or qualifying for the games, it's because uh, it's my stag do or it's my mate's stag do or yeah. a wedding. So, yeah, it was up there as a good lash. <laughs> uh, two, two more from me. Um, this one's probably the most Scottish question <clears throat> you can ever get asked. Um, Bucky or Mad Dog? Oh. I don't know what they are. Both to be fair, both I ridiculous like, drinks. As a Scottish person, I've, I don't think I've ever. I've never oh, drank buck, like, buck, buck like IPA? No, oh, I think like, I think they're like wine or something. Yeah, I think buck it, fast like and JK dog. wine. Was it Buckfast <laughs> and Mad Dog Twenty Twenty or something? Like that? Or something. Oh. No, no. Um, Stuart Aitken from Glasgow. I think he's from. Do you recognise him? Um, I have no idea what they are. I'm going to say Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Take it. <laughs> I'm lucky it would be better. <laughs> Uh, last one from <clears throat> from me. Um, what is the most ridiculous question you've heard um, oh, yeah. being asked at a brief? This is a, a running thing that oh, it, yeah. uh, us at local sort of competitions we hear some <laughs> ridiculous. Your chest needs to touch the floor in a burpee. <laughs> Shit like that. Uh, you know, I can't remember like specific ones, but I yeah. always remember that Frederick and Annie just used to always ask like this the most intricate. <laughs> questions like you know they used to mark the lanes out at regionals yeah um and like so they'd run a map down regionals and the map was probably like a millimeter thick and they would say is, is that are those the maps that are gonna be out there and they, yeah why well, i'm just like because oh, they're a millimeter thick so you know they're gonna be deadlifting to a one millimeter deficit just like oh my god yeah, yeah. it's a tiny tiny Come little on. thing uh, but yeah, I remember those. They, they asked a lot of questions. They were quite known for it, and I think they they probably uh, asked them all just to piss everyone. Just off. To, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I can't remember too many others. There is always just yeah. Um, people are nervous, aren't they? People are nervous on briefings, and then they they start. I would, you always say like athletes turn into like six year old mm. children when they get yeah. on the competition floor because their brains just like fry. So they just you just start saying and asking. <laughs> yeah things yeah cool do you see you got um yeah there's just two more um if you design the perfect workout for you what would it be um the one at regionals was pretty good five rounds 25 calorie roll 16 chest to bar pull-ups and then nine strict handsome yeah four inch deficit that was a good one anything with strict handsome push-ups handsome walks um yeah, it's pretty pretty good for me. I'll toast bar. Yeah. Um, if you could maybe take out the 25 cal roll and you could do 25 cal ski, then that'd be even better. That'd be better. Sweet. That sounds good. Um, and then last one, finish it off. Go to beer. You've just qualified <laughs> for the games first time. You're like, yeah, class. Sit down, open your fridge. There's a beer there. What is it? <laughs> uh, There's always a story. <laughs> Does it have to be beer? It, it <laughs> has to be beer. But I mean, it doesn't have to be beer. But we'll judge you. <laughs> you can ju- you can judge. Me. I've been judged many times. So I don't like beer to be honest. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. 
if I were, if you know if I'd qualified for the game, I wouldn't be sitting down on my couch and opening my fridge. Well, yeah, that's true. I'd be putting on my best clothes and we'd be going out and getting on it. <laughs> um, your, I'm going to get a call for this, but I do like a mixed fruits Copperberg. You can do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> fair, fair. I'll do what makes me happy, what tastes nice. Because I'm not having, I'm not having anyone says that lager or um, what's it called? Your IPA. Yeah. They don't taste nice. If you think they taste nice, then you're lying. <laughs> you're just saying it because you okay. think. I think it's a manly thing to drink. <laughs> Deep down, no one likes the taste of beer. Right. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it. Here. Speaking the truth. <laughs> awesome, man. That's that's yeah. all we had. Um, we appreciate your your time. Yeah. Um, no thank you. Um, uh, <clears throat> and hopefully we can uh, get down and train with you guys at some point when we're allowed to leave yeah. the <laughs> yeah, leave the, the country. This is where I train these days. You can come and join my little. Uh, a little gym at all. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, dude. Thank oh, you, thanks bro. for having Cheers, me on. Man, man. Cheers, man. Thank you.